I met Brett on a film set. He was an asset manager. His calling was somewhere else though, writing stories, expressing his creativity. This led him to become independent as a copywriter. In this episode, we'll delve into Brett's experience shifting from film set to writing for advertising and social media customers. I would like you to introduce yourself a little bit because you've not been always a copywriter and that's how we met. We met on a film set. So can you tell me what was your path that led you to copywriting? Cool. Thanks so much, Laura, for having me on here. I've never really had the opportunity to share about what I do and how it's all come to be. So thank you very much. Awesome. My path really began in nature and it also began through observing my surroundings and wanting to express how they how they look, how they make me feel. And, you know, so that started to come through in the written word. Although my job is currently quite commercially based. It started in a natural and creative way. And it was also nurtured by a teacher in school who grew up in a farm. So there was a link there back to environment and, you know, really just um, interacting with it and where all the adventures took place, you know, and also wanting to express that. So he wrote a book of short stories and that really inspired me as well. And his turn of phrase and the way that he spoke was so old world and descriptive and creative that it encouraged me to write more in that kind of style yeah. and also to read books that linked into that language. So that would be the where the sort of the fertile ground was composed. Yeah, then as as you've said, we, we so often take new paths to get to the place that we end up eventually. And yeah, one of those paths was the film industry where, where we met on Black Sales. And that was a four-year journey for me, um, or for most of us. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was uh, a completely different type of storytelling and a different method of seeing scripts and stories and concepts come to life on a visual medium. So it was a really great experience for me. What did you study when you were a teenager? I studied, and I like to say, at the University of Life. <laughs> so I never went to a formal university. Okay. I really just got to work straight after I finished high school. Yeah. And yeah, that was a conscious decision made between myself and my parents. And partly it was to do with the fact that there's so much experience to be had in the real world that it can sometimes surpass the effects of a degree at the end of your four years or mm. whatever your period of time is. So that was where we decided would be best for me as the kind of person that I am, my personality. So yeah, we, uh, we got to work straight away after school. Did you know back then that you wanted to write? The teacher that I described earlier was, uh, I think he was my grade eight teacher. So yeah, it started quite a bit earlier than, than that. Okay. Okay. So you had been practicing and you liked to, to write. Exactly. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd been practicing a lot. I'd written a whole bunch of short stories. I'd written articles. I'd started to just play around with poetry and trying to cover as many different formats as I could. 
Nice, nice. Because what you did on the film set was something different, right? Completely different. Yeah, it was so different. It was asset management, which up to that point wasn't even really a job. <laughs> and <laughs> so it wasn't an easy position because it was something that had been manufactured out of necessity, mm. you know, just because of the volume of purchases that each department was making every day, basically, yeah. from props to set decoration and furniture and SFX was also creating things like bloodletting kits and technical and customized objects. I mean, even in the construction unit, they were they were creating new things every day. So someone had to really collate and track these assets. So the department was essentially created by a producer who you know well, Alan Shearer. Yeah. We worked together to really cobble together an approach that ensured that we could best track and audit the objects at the end of each season. Right. And was it useful for you to, on the writing side, to be on set and to, you know, to look at other ways of writing? I didn't really get much exposure to the writers or the showrunners or on set activities unless I decided, you know, on that any given day to go and, and look in on it. But in the background, always had access to the scripts because we've stored all the files and, and so on. And, you know, I, I did on occasion go through some of the episodes and then when I later on watched them online, then you could just see the incredible skills needed to bring it through and all of the crazy background and technical capacity needed to make that happen. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it benefited, but it was more of a secondary uh, benefit yeah. just because I was really to run around and try and find all of these purchases and then uh, take photographs of them and load them on spreadsheets and, and attach the relevant data as well. So it was actually quite a... Quite a mundane job in a lot of ways, but being in the film industry, it mm -hmm. had its own sort of uh, excitement and, and gave me a level of of access, which I think you know, really yeah. crossed borders yeah. with all the different departments. So, yeah, so I made a lot of good friends and I had quite a lot mm -hmm. of freedom. I sort of set my own agenda in a lot of ways. As long as the work was done, no one was really looking over my shoulder too much. So, yeah, it was it was an interesting time. After you finished with Black Cells, what took you then to your present path? I took another detour after Black Cells. In fact, I started working for a vehicle salvage auction house. Mm -hmm. So I was asked to come on board as the branch manager for the Cape Town office. Mm -hmm. okay. So we, we ran a staff of about 10 people to basically receive accident damaged vehicles in the warehouses and then we would wait for them to either be written off or noted as repair jobs and then either go back to the panel beaters to get fixed or they would come onto our auction floor and we would sell them to a live and online audience every week. So it was quite a big shift going from black sales from a relatively cushy situation where I had my own office and uh, I had a, a small team and I had, you know, free range of the Cape Town film studios and, and access to all of these interesting people doing cool stuff. And then I went into this really completely different environment. I mean, it's literally just huge warehouses filled with smashed up vehicles 
you know, all of which have their own stories and, you know, carry their own, their own energies, just being that vehicle accidents are, are never a pleasant thing. It was quite a wake mm-hmm. up call for me because I decided relatively soon into the position that uh, it's really time for me to decide whether I'm going to work this way and do the nine to five and take home the set salary and get a pension eventually and, you know, really ultimately be unhappy mm. or to follow finally through on this passion that I know burns so brighter than me. And what happened? <laughs> yeah. So what eventually happened was we had some unscrupulous employees and we needed to let them go. And part of the Part of the prerequisite for them going was that I also needed to resign. It was a very complex situation. And essentially what ended up happening was I could have either fought it and probably come out on top in terms of the legal opinions that were offered. But I decided that this was actually a blessing in disguise and a, a window of opportunity. I decided to resign and begin offering my services. And that's when I started offering social media management and writing services. I really had no idea where I was starting. I just quite literally sat at my desk and put some plans in place. And then, you know, the ball started rolling and I started to meet people who needed what I was offering Mm -hmm. uh, in the most sort of random places, synchronistically just gathered a small client base within a matter of months and I was up and running. Oh, great. That means you knew already how to work with social media? Yeah. So I monitored certain accounts, which I felt were doing it well and connecting with their audiences and putting out content that really just was top notch. And I sort of modeled what I thought would be the best of. And then I took that and and created a small system. And essentially the model that I used was just to create the best quality content, written and visual. So whether it's video, photos or graphic, and then to um, make sure that what the tone of the writing is connects through to the audience. And that then, of course, there's many other technical aspects which come through in social media, especially now as it's evolved. But I really based it on what I call strategic storytelling. So I would put a lot of thought into Mm -hmm. the brand itself before even going into the creation of the media. And I would develop a small content strategy for them based on any insights that they could supply. And then I would also sometimes develop a sort of small campaign. So a strap line that kind of encapsulates something creative that they could distribute and that linked back to their brand pillars. And then I would... I would then go into the media creation, whether it is uh, scripting a small video or a still shoot or uh, getting a graphic designer to create some cool stuff. And yeah, I mean, it was quite a seamless shift, but I also look back and I'm like, 
oh my God, how did I even have the confidence and where did I actually just, you know, extract the know-how to be able to put these things together? Uh, Yeah, it just shows. Yeah, so it shows that if you you set your mind to it, even if you don't have like 100% of the answers, you could do it. I mean, you you are the evidence that it worked, right? Definitely, yeah, absolutely. I think where there's a will, there's a way. That old saying really applies. And, you know, if it's something that you really want and that you really love doing, it's meant to be, then it's going to happen. Do you find that copywriting is the answer to your uh, passion and say, are you happy with copywriting or is there uh, something else that you would love to do? Yeah. If I can back it up a bit, essentially when I began, I thought, yes, this is the be all and end all. I'm just at ease. I'm at peace when I'm writing. I feel inspired. It can sometimes go so far as to being a quite transcendental experience where it feels as if I'm almost channeling from another place, bringing in these creative concepts without much effort, mental effort that is. It's pretty powerful to have that kind of access and have that happening in a very graceful way. But you know, as the years went on and I discovered social media itself was not my passion at all. Um, and I needed to transition into a more traditional kind of ad agency role to discover a more seamless foothold or a stronger foothold. That started to happen bit by bit. At one point, I think I had about five social media clients, monthly retainers. I was doing really well financially, but I started to burn out and this was really over the COVID period. And Mm. so I was busier than ever and we weren't leaving the house and everyone was completely shut up and locked up and all online. And so, you know, for for me, business Mm. was great, but uh, the balance of life and work was completely off and it started to weigh me down and really it affected me physically as well. I started to have trouble sleeping and I could feel my nervous system was really taking a lot of strain. When my phone rang, I would sort of jump because it could be bad news or someone needing something. Hmm. So I also realized then that whether it's your passion or not, you need to have a really fine balance and keep that balance and also to do the parts of it that make you feel good. So so social media hmm. just, you know, that's it's a black hole for me. And I essentially have <laughs> really tried to uh, release all of my clients while establishing new relationships with a selection of local advertising agencies. And yeah, I'm happy to say that mm-hmm. I'm at the point now where I have one more social media client left and I work with three different ad agencies scattered around South Africa and uh, we do much more inspiring work. Ah, super. Okay. Yeah. It's a means to an end and of course it's, uh, it helps, uh, like you say, to find the balance. Definitely. So as a copywriter for ads, uh, can you just say a few words what it consists of? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so it's a selection of different things, but one of them would be brand strategy. So, for example, a new brand will come to us and, you know, this is who we are. But we don't know how to creatively express this. We don't know what our logo is. We want to say this and do this and be this, but we don't know how to take it the next step. So we would then develop a creative strategy that essentially expresses their brand in colors, in logos, in language, in in foundational brand pillars, and really create a footprint for them to to work from. So that's one of the areas we focus on. Okay. So there's obviously 
obviously a lot of writing involved in that to really define and express all of those aspects. And then we often do what are called through the line campaigns. So that might be a TV script, radio script, could be in-store activation, out-of-home advertising like billboards and so on. And often or 10 times out of 10, in fact, those will need a a strong headline, sublines that really encapsulate the campaign and they will need a presentation deck to be able to sell the concept to the client as well. So that's where I come in. We have a lot of fun with those. In fact, that's where I'm finding my most joy at the moment. And yeah, it's really wonderful to be able to work with big brands like Coca-Cola and Jamison's Whiskey, Toyota. So on, it's very gratifying to have a hand in well-developing creative that actually goes out to a large number of people. So yeah, and then sometimes there's a small bit of social media aspect which needs to be included. But yeah, mainly I'd say it's brand strategy and... Uh, at Campaign Creative. There's more I want to ask Brett about his life. Time and a technological glitch compel us to postpone the rest of the interview to a later episode. Brett, I can't wait to follow your job tale later on in your life. Bye everyone and stay tuned. <laughs>